what is, what is the most precious thing that you love to hear from somebody else in your life? Here's a hundred bucks. Oh, that's... Okay, let's start from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is the most precious thing that you love to hear from somebody today? I love you, yeah. You're worthy. Well done. What if it was something very simple, something very simple that, I'll give you a personal example for me. What if it's something very simple like my four-year-old grandson who comes up to me and said, Papu, will you play with me? Now, I don't know. It's those moments and that comment and what that's, about to unfold in my life that becomes one of the most precious things I love to hear for me. Because in that statement, I know that I am infinitely and unconditionally loved, that somebody wants to spend real time with me. What it also forces me to do is to set aside all the things that as an adult has consumed me and makes me right away say, well, I'm kind of busy and forces me to set it aside and put priority where it absolutely matters. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that I love to hear when my grandson says that. And every grandparent in the room says, amen. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a beautiful statement. And of course, you know, there's, there's, there's a wonderful parallel. If I was to ask you, what do you think God loves to hear from you? What do you think it would be? Right? And, you know, as, as, much, as much as you can resonate with a statement like that, what is it that God would love to hear from you? You know? Oh, do, you th- do, you think it would, do you think it would warm God's heart? To hear you say, I love, I love your church. I love, I love to serve you. I love, I love to follow you with all my heart. I love that you sacrificed your son for me and gave me an opportunity to be one with you. Like you think that would warm God's heart? Um, you know, as part, as part of our, our visioning statement, that's, I, I believe very much as a leadership, as we were talking about Vision 2020, I think very much that resonated in our own hearts. You know, if we're, if we're looking at the church and we're looking at what we, we want to be, and I've already said that our mission statement is very hard. Listen, our mission statement, I'm, I'm going to say this over and over again. Our mission statement is the most difficult mission statement we could have possibly, you know, formulated out of the Great Commission and Great Commandment. It calls us to be something much more 
than social. It calls us to be something much more than justice-oriented. It calls us to be something much more than just community, if you want to think of it in those, in those types of terms. It defines everything differently because it's rooted, first and foremost, in love. And from there, it builds out. And, you know, I'll tell you, it's threatening because we're going to fail you depending on your definition of love at one point, at one, in one point or another. We're going to, we're, we're going to, we're, we're going to, and I don't mean me personally, even though I've probably offended many of you. Um, we're going to fail you in one way or another, depending on how you define love, you know, depending on how you, you know, define what the church is for you, you know, depending on what you expect from the church or what your perceptions are of the church. You know, when we put ourselves in, on a, on a, in a place where we categorize everything that we do out of this, you know, foundation of love, that is a very threatening place and, and posture to take. And what it threatens most of all is this thing called the church, this thing called the community of believers, because there's this, this ethic, this, this morality, this expectation that if we're going to be a loving community, it's going to demand something from each and every one of us. Because let me tell you, 95% of the conflict in the church is never doctrinal. It's always personal. It's always interpersonal, relational, those kinds of things. Rarely is it doctrinal that becomes a problem, you know? So we're going to talk about this, this, this beautiful thing called community, right? But I want to remind you of a few things. Well, for some of you... I'm going to repeat this about Vision 2020. Vision 2020 is this. Um, It is what we need to have in place or in process by the year 2020 to not only survive but to thrive as a church. What do we need to have in place? And you know what? If if you've ever planned a wedding, by the way, bless you. Um, If you've ever planned a wedding, okay, you know that it might be a year and a half down the road, but it's going to come really quick. Right? Have you ever done that? Right? We know that 2020 is going to be here really quick. And we need to be prepared because we want to be a church that not only survives into the next decade, we want to be a church that thrives into the next decade. And we want to be thinking about the things that we need to be doing and how that is going to un- unfold. Okay? So here, here's two basic things. When we talk about community, when we talk about the gospel, when we talk about our mission statement, I want to remind you there are two basic, basic things that every human being on this planet craves. And here they are. And you've heard this before, to be loved and to belong. Every human being, no matter what you know, worldview they have, whatever part of the world they come from, whatever generation they are, whatever, you know, demographically, it doesn't matter. Every human being craves to be loved and craves to belong. Now, I want you to think about Jesus for a minute, okay? And I want you to think about the gospel. What does it say in John three sixteen? For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his one and only son, the greatest expression of love when it comes to the character and the nature of God and what he has accomplished for us is the most loving act that a supreme being could have for us. 
And, and God gave us Jesus in a supreme act of love because we know that we desire to be loved more than anything else. And as much as we, we have people that argue and, and, and we get into all kinds of arguments about how it is that we connect with God, the best way we connect with God is to be loved by him and to know that those things like reconciliation, forgiveness, healing, all of those big words that we use when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ are all words about being loved and when we think about the sacrifice that Jesus made, he made a sacrifice of love on our behalf. Something that we could not do. We could not love God so much to sacri- you know, to, 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 because we're sinners. That we needed that sacrifice of love and that sacrifice of perfection in order that we can experience the full breadth of God's love on our behalf. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel. But what many people, and, and, and me as well, is we sometimes think the church was an afterthought to God. Jesus came to establish the church as much as he came to die on a cross. That that was part of the deal that Jesus came to accomplish And all of us in this room, all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ in this room, acknowledge that we are part of something much bigger than ourselves. That this is part of belonging. What does it mean to belong? What does it mean to be a part of? What does it mean to to be something much bigger than what we are? Imagine how alone you would feel if you thought you were the only believer on the planet. How much would you be able to grow? How much would you be able to be encouraged? How much all the things that the church says that we need and enjoy together is part of belonging to something much bigger than us. That's why we built our mission statement in that way. It's to love God, to love others, because that's how we build our relationship with God. That's how we build the community. And through those two, we change the world. Because that is the way God intended to change the world. So think about that. I want to take us to a passage out of 1 Peter. uh, 1 Peter 4. I'm going to look only at a couple of verses. And I want to read them for you right now because there are some significant things that we're going to talk about in terms of our second vision statement how that's going to impact the work of the church. And I think it's really important when we hone in on a couple of very important lines that Peter expresses here. God has given each of you a gift. Did you read that? God has given each of you a gift. From his great variety of spiritual gifts. Here's the line you need to kind of take out of the entire passage and remind yourself every Sunday morning when you don't want to come to church. Sorry. Um, Just testing. Here, you know, here's, here's here's the passage. Use them well to serve one another. Did you catch that? Use them well. To serve one another. 
Whatever gift you've been given, God expects you to use it to such a degree that it demonstrates his glory and his power and his incredible giftedness in your life so that it blesses someone else, not you. That's a powerful statement right there. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with the strength and the energy that God supplies. So these special gifts are not something that has your kind of energy and power behind it. It has the Spirit of God working in and through you to energize you, to power you up, to allow you to serve others in that way. Because God is the one that supplies us. Then everything you do, everything you do, everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that a powerful verse? That's a powerful couple of verses. Um, I think it's an incredibly challenging, challenging couple of verses. And many communities long, long to have that as the ethos or the atmosphere and the environment of what the church is all about. So out of that, out of that comes our next second part of our vision statement. And it's this. To become a community where people serve and not just serve, but thrive. Not just serve, but thrive. Our first vision statement was to reach more people near and far. That was last week's message. If you missed that, you can go online and you can listen to that. But the second part of our vision statement is to become a community where people serve and not only just serve, but thrive. Put you in a place where it's absolutely joyful to experience what you experience. Okay? Now, we remember last week I showed you we have a little picture that you're going to start seeing around the church. Last, here, here's the picture from last week of REACH. Uh, this week in BECOME, that's, that's our second. And we'll fill in the blanks for the next couple of weeks. We'll have number three and number four. And by the end of the series, you're going to have the four pictures that you're going to be seeing. You're going to see them here in banners in the church. And uh, we're going to have these neat little kind of, I want to say icons, but please don't take that as an orthodox thing, okay? Um, not that it's, you know, but... But, there, but you know, the icons that represent our four mission statements, the four part of our, of our mission statement is to become. And when we think of become, we're thinking about the community we want to become, which is so important. All right? Now, before I move on, I want to I list the difficulties with community in our day and age. See, we can talk very easily about wanting to be a community and wanting to, to, you know, bring people together and all that stuff. But culturally, we have some challenges as, as a community, as in, in building community. Here are the challenges. Here are the things I want you to, to see as the painful reality. Number one, 
Community is defined differently, both generationally and individually, right? You ask, you ask people, you know, it's like if you go up on the street and you say, what is love? How can you define love? You're going to get, you know, if you interview a thousand people, you're going to get a thousand different definitions, okay? When it comes to community, you're going to ask a thousand people, you're going to get a thousand different definitions. And if they're older, what is an older person going to say? You get what? Face to face, Right? You know, uh, anybody under 12? Is that how they think of community? Here's an easy question to ask, whether it's easy. Is it legitimate? Is it okay? Is it okay to break up with somebody through a text message? That, (laughs) yeah. Younger people would say, absolutely. Older people would say, that's horrific. Okay, right? Okay, some young people are saying I'm crazy, all right, but that's okay. It's easier. It's much easier. Much easier, right? Okay. Um, the, The reality is, the reality is, we may say it's not a good way to break up, but you'd be surprised how many people actually do it that way. Okay? We all define community differently. In fact, if you, are, if you want to slide the word community over to the word consumer, now you're starting to understand how community gets defined differently. Because we are all consumers of the church, right? If things aren't a particular way, we don't see it as part of the community. Because we define community individually and generally, generationally. Okay, that's just the reality of what is happening in the world around us. And that's a challenge for the church, because if we talk about bringing people who are not typically part of the church, they think of community in a totally different way. Totally different way. And we're and we're talking all about, you know, we use that we use that Christian word, right? We use the word fellowship. We're not the Lord of the Rings. (laughs) I thought that'd get a bigger laugh than that, actually. <laughs> you know. We are, we are marching to Mordor in many ways and all, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know. But it's, but it's, but it's so different. And, 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 and when we talk about fellowship, by the way, the Greek kinonia... Right? That has a whole bunch of implications. And when we talk about fellowship, when we talk about, you know, uh, doing some of the things that we do in church, it actually scares some people away. It actually scares some people away. It might shock some of you, but community and the way we define it in church actually makes people afraid to be part of us. Okay? I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's, it's what it is. It's, I'm just saying it's the challenge that we have to, have to be totally cognizant of. Here's number two, okay? Uh, special gifting is seen more as a personal blessing rather than a community benefit. All right? Um, whatever, whatever God has gifted you to do, whatever God has gifted you in terms of ability... It's not your, for your personal blessing. 
it is for the blessing of the community. It's for the blessing of the wider church, right? If, if, if you kind of keep it in secret, it, it's, it's never going to be utilized the way God intended it to be utilized. That's what's so important about all, all of this is a special gifting. That's why many people, you know, the easiest way to find out what your special gift is, is not to ask yourself, but to ask somebody close to you. Because it's much easier for somebody outside of yourself to see what your gifting is and not, and not you. Because the gifting is for other people and they're going to recognize when they're experiencing your gift more than you. Although there's a certain element of joy that happens when you're doing your gift. Okay? Here's number three. Go really quick. We are too easily offended. That's a, that's a what? That's very offensive right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was expecting half of you to walk out. No. No. Just, yeah, no. You know, isn't, isn't it true? We're, we're, we're too easily offended. Okay, and I don't want don't want to expand on that, but but that's a, that's a huge that's a huge problem in our culture. We we expect, you know, um, this ties into the next one. I want to say a couple things about about that. Commitment and trust are a problem. Okay, ever hear somebody say the leadership? Okay, can I tell you what my biggest fear is? Here's my biggest, here's a big fear I have as a pastor. There are times, okay, and, and if you're in any kind of leadership, you're going to understand this, okay? I get the privilege of standing up here on, a, on a, almost a weekly basis to communicate the word of God, all right? But Sunday's not the only day I'm around. Um, I have a huge administrative role and uh, staff oversight role, et cetera, et cetera. There are things that happen during the week. I have to make hard decisions during the week, okay, as part of my job. My big fear is, is a decision that I have to make for the betterment of the church, for the betterment of the community, that is going to impede my ability to come up here and to be heard communicating the word of God. Do you guys get that? That's a big fear of mine. Because, I've had, because the leadership, because we have had to make a hard decision during the week because of something very difficult, that when we stand up here on a Sunday morning, our ears get shut. You don't know how much that scares the daylights out of me. So trust and commitment is a big deal. In the community. And, and, and know this right from the start. Whether it's the elders in this church. Whether it's the staff. Or whether it's the board. Whether it's myself. We all are united in making decisions for the betterment of the church. That's one thing I can say that you can trust. That you have the commitment of. Okay? For the betterment of everybody. So trust and commitment are a problem. You know, in culture... You know, commitment's a big deal. The last thing is social media. And I don't want to get up on the whole social media, but that's, that's, that's a big problem, okay? 
So if we're going to be a community um, that allows people to serve and thrive, what, do we, what, do, what points do we need to take away? All right? Um, here's the first point I want to make. We cannot control what gifts the Spirit gives us, but we can control if, when, and how we use them. Okay? By the way, this is a secret about life in general. All right? There's a lot of things that happen in your life that is beyond your control. Except how you respond to it, except how you use it, except how, you know, um, you, you shape your life around it and how you make it something good as opposed to something bad. Because God can take the most difficult circumstances in your life and make something glorious out of it. That's... That's the hard part, right? Now, now some of you may say, well, I wish God had given me this gift, or I wish I could, you know, God had given me a gift of, of, of all this, you know. But the reality is, it's your choice how, when, and if you use it. And by the way, this is one of the things, you know, um, we've talked about this. We've heard many people, you know, in, in culture say, I am very spiritual and I do not need God. I do not need the church. You hear people say that. Do you realize if they're truly a believer, God has given them a special ability, a special gift or special giftings that they will never be able to utilize or express because they're not part of a church. And I wonder when they stand in heaven and they they stand before God, God's going to say, you know, I gave you the ability to do this and you never got to exploit it. Imagine that. That's, that's one thing that never gets talked about, right? I, I, can, I, can, I can experience God and I can experience spirit, you know, all that stuff. But it's like there's a, there's a whole part of their Christian growth that they're missing out on totally. Second thing. The church is God's chosen venue for utilizing the gifts he has given you. And that's just the point I was making. You know, we think these special gifts are something that we could use almost anywhere. But scripturally, they are primary for the church, for the body of believers. Yeah, could you express that gift to another believer outside of the church? Absolutely. But the church is the main venue where these gifts get expressed and get acted out upon. So the church is very important. And God has created this this kind of system and instrumentation for all of us. Here's number three. Serving is nothing more. Serving is nothing more than truth and love in action. Now think about that. Serving is nothing more than truth and love in action. All right? Um, those things, when we talk about a loving community, we cannot separate the truth element from the love community thing. Okay? That's one of the, that's one of the, uh, the potential, you know, failures of what people could see as our mission statement, but not really recognize that we're as much about truth as we are about love. Because biblically, the two are connected. When we talk about love, we love you in a way... That doesn't leave you where you are. We love you where we challenge you about, you know, as believers, we come together, right, to help each other grow. Okay? Truth and love in action. Here's, here's the next one. 
truth and love demand our best. Truth and love demand our best. Notice, notice how the passage in Peter said, you know, serve one another well. And if you have the gift of this, and you do it as if God himself is speaking through it. Do it as if, you know, all the energy and all the power that God can put behind it is actually behind it. There's something about doing it with a sense of the very best that God has made me that, that is such a powerful witness of what the church is really all about. Okay? That is why I did not dance last week. Because I would embarrass myself, I would embarrass you, and I would embarrass God. So please don't ever ask me to dance on this platform, okay? (laughs) You know, we can say opa together, but we can't dance together, okay? Can we we just... (laughs) Lessons, yeah. Yeah. All right. But truth and love demand our very best. All right? And that's, a, and that's a challenge. And that's a challenge because everything built in culture is built on mediocrity. We can argue about that all day long. But culture is built on mediocrity. Okay? I know that's a cultural statement. I know that's a... But that's, that's my feeling. I think that there's a certain level that you get to, and it's all about excellence, and it's all about, you know, but I think majority is we don't, we don't, we don't push to uh, greatness anymore. We push to mediocrity. Okay? That's why the really good people succeed, because it's easy to break out of mediocrity. The church is never meant to be mediocre. Okay? Yeah. Never meant to be mediocre. Here's the last one that comes out of this statement. You cannot serve those whom you do not love. That's a hard one, right? You cannot serve those whom you do not love. At least not biblically. At least not to the expectations of the very best of God. One of the big, you know, one of, one of the hardest prayers is, you know, God, teach me to love your people. God, teach me to love the people that are part of our community. It is never going to be easy. It's always going to be hard. You're always going to get hurt. You're always going to find yourself in a vulnerable situation. You're always going to find it difficult. You're always going to have to kind of be the first to push to the, to the you know, thing, thing of love. You always are going to feel like you're the one that's making the effort and no one else is. It's going to have all those dangerous things. But at the heart of it, if you're not empowered by the Spirit of God to love abnormally, from what you are used to loving, you cannot serve to the capacity that God wants you to. That's the thing. Because at the heart of it is sacrificial love like Christ's sacrificial love. That's what makes it so hard. That's what makes it so hard. All right? 
So here's, here's, I'm not going to get you to get your phones out like I did last week and everything like that. But here is the big question. This is the big question that you need to ask yourself. And the big question you need to deal with is how do I contribute to the community that honors how God has wired me while at the same time blessing the people God has placed around me? How do I, how do I, how do I contribute to the community that honors how God has wired me while at the same time blessing the people God has placed around me? How do I contribute? Now, there are those of you here this morning who are just burned out. Please, 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 please do not, do not think that this message is for you. There are times where you legitimately need to park. There's times legitimately where you need to take the Sabbath, that you need to just, you know, break away from the madness and live life at 10 kilometers an hour. That's perfectly okay. My challenge to you is that there's going to come a time where God's going to prompt you to serve in a way that's absolutely legitimate. And the question you have to ask yourself is, how do I contribute to a community and honor how God has wired me while at the same time blessing, blessing, blessing the people that God has put around me? Right? You may have a very simple answer to that, and that's okay. For some of you, it's going to be a real challenge about how you do that. For others, it's going to be not now, Lord, but I'm open to when that time comes. Amen? Amen. Can I just say one last thing? Have fun in your life group. (laughs) All right? I'm glad I'm not there, right? Um, By the way... By the way, just as I close out, let me, let me close in prayer um, before I let the worship team come up. Um, one last thing. On Tuesday nights, I do lead a life group here at the church. So if you're not in a life group and you're free on a Tuesday night and you want to come, you know, you're welcome to come. We'll be in the overflow room. Love to have you as part of our life group. But don't miss out on getting together with people and learning and growing more because I love to hear what you have to say about this. All right? Because we want to become a community that loves God, loves others, and changes the world. All right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for a reminder of this beautiful thing called the church. And Lord, we all have our horror stories, we all have our our difficulties. We all have our expectations and perceptions. But Lord, how much would you long to hear people say, Heavenly Father, we love your church. We love the church of Jesus Christ. And we love to serve it. We love how you have equipped us. We love how you made us to be the change agent for the world around us. 
And we love the mission that you drive in each and every one of us to make your name great. So Lord, as we close out this morning, we pray that the challenge would be a challenge from your spirit. That it would touch our hearts. That we would be open and honest to what we've heard today and how it affects us personally. Because your church is too important to ignore, too important to just get comfortable, and too important to the way we see the world going. So Lord, help us. In your precious name, amen.